97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to the Poet to Poet series. I'm your host, Dina Serrano. Arturo Montecon's new book of translations, Poetry Comes Out of My Mouth, Selected Poems of Mario Santiago Papasquero, truly captures Santiago's meaning and flavor. Montecon, who brilliantly translates from Spanish to English, has discovered Mexico City poet Mario Santiago to bring to the English-speaking world. The translations sing off the page, and the original Spanish is right there for you to check and enjoy in the book, published by Diagolos Press. Welcome to Open Book, the Poet to Poet series, Arturo Montecon. Thank you very much, Nina. It's a pleasure to have you here. So, Arturo, what attracted you to this poet, and what about his work was so enticing? Well, what attracts me to the poets that I've translated so far, among them being Leopoldo Maria Panero and Francisco Ferrer Lerín, and now Mario Santiago Papasquiaro, what I've looked for is someone who has not been translated at all into English or has been under-translated. And having uh, translated two Spaniards, Panero and Ferrer Lerín, I was looking for a Mexican writer. And I contacted my friend Leticia Schmill, and she recommended Mario Santiago Papasquiaro, who I'd never heard of. But once I got a hold of his work, I saw that this was something I could really get my teeth into. What about it? Well, what I liked about him was his just very raw, visceral poetry. It was a poetry that really, it, in most cases, was not tempered by any kind of reason. That is not to say he was an irrational man. He, he, was, he was quite rational. It's just that, like the Beats, whom he admired very much, he felt that first thought was always the best thought. He didn't edit. He didn't go back and polish. He wrote on the fly, as it were. And he wrote uh, most of his work on napkins, uh, inside of books that he was reading, flyers for the grand openings of Chinese restaurants, that sort of thing. And people that have been collecting his work have had to look into all sorts of places to, to collect it. So that is basically what attracted me to him, his spontaneity and really his power. Well, let's hear some of this. This one is called In the Gateway of the Clouds, the original title being En el Saguan de las Nubes. And it is about the custom of the Huichol and the Mazateca of using uh, peyote and psychedelic mushrooms in order to gain their visions. The uh, Huichol in particular have this mountain that they climb every year. At each level of the mountain, there is a certain ceremony that is, that is to be accomplished. 
In the Gateway of the Clouds for Patricia Rodriguez Acosta Because we are all, we are all, we are all the children of, we are all the children of a brilliant and colorful flower, a blazing flower, and there is no one, there is no one who laments what we are. And that is an epigraph in the form of a Wichol song. Now the poem itself. My homeland is this juice-laden cactus I snatched from the very mouth of the desert, Lofofora Williamsi, universe of buttons flowering the palms of my hand, leap and dance my destiny like a dog celebrating the punctual blessing of his feeding. The tongue of God kisses me firmly and turns and goes and spins devouring the honeycomb of the pupils of my eyes. It is raining, and the imprint of the flood is none other than the land on which I tread. In the distance, I see only the living fruit pulse of my soul. My grandparents, pilgrim migrants, point out the road to me, pinching me. The sweat of my molecules ignites the necessary dream to the intrinsic blindness of my feet so as not to languish in compass or in spirit. The reality of beauty, fugitive firefly, alights for one second in my air. What black wind would rend my path or at least attempt to cancel my song? The belly of my teeth does not stop chewing its own flesh. I fly, I warble, I coo, I howl, I spatter, I impregnate, I milk myself, I let myself go, I carry within me the echo of an unforeseeable impulse, lunar seed, fountainhead of migration, muddy clay of ovules, Visions and rocky crags, root that emerges and evaporates in the gateway of the clouds, in the light of a thunderbolt, in a leap to kiss the dawning hoof of the stag that caresses the sweetheart of Wirikuta. Wow. That was wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. It, it deserves to be read aloud, I think as most good poetry does. Yes, when I read that myself, I didn't get as much as hearing you read it because you make the hallucinogenic qualities come out in your reading. I should say something as a preparation for the next three poems. Mario Santiago traveled throughout Europe and ultimately into Israel in pursuit of a woman that he loved a woman by the name of Claudia Carrick, who was a an Argentinian of Jewish background who had immigrated to Mexico when she was a girl. She decided to go to Israel to work on a kibbutz, and he followed her. Uh, it wasn't until she finally told him that there was no chance for him that he decided to make his way slowly back all the way through Europe. But he wrote several poems while in Palestine that I think are excellent. Vision in Sinai 
for Esther Cameo and Mauri Pilatowski. He, with the vagabond eyes of an iguana, passed through here, and his sweat is still smelt by the winds. The camel-blood gods that inhabit and illuminate the heart of these mountains, even the shepherd tribes of Beersheba, miss the song filled with the echoes of his boots, the fire flash of his skin, so similar to the mooring line with the same fluxes of a gob of spat-out arak. At the hour of the palm dates, the slow twilights, the fervid mouthfuls of sour milk called noble water in the dialect of the Bedouins. And in the sand they draw one tree with ropes hanging from it, one house with wings. He with the vagabond eyes of an iguana passed through here, and he seemed one of those lightning bolts that wrote without need of Olivetti letteras and without pencils, words capable of winding the blue muscle of the patriarchs and their peoples, the vagabond of the strangest tongue, the singer of cucurucucus and ayayays, who was tailed like an oil streak by the Israeli paratroopers and radars, he of the cactus cheeks, he of the creeper vine cigars, the drinker of cold sweats, the explorer of submarine lips, he who got by with salam aleikum, even with the dry booming voice of the palm trees, he of the small smiling skull engraved dry point with spidery scratches on the perpetual life bone of his rucksack. He who kissed the most seldom arrival of the rains and opened up as only the earth has ever done and opened up as though in that moment all of us were going to die. Tremendous. He has a real sense of himself as a Mexican, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He felt very, very Mexican in both Israel and throughout Europe. Muy indio in, in appearance. He was a very small man, maybe about five foot tall. Very pugnacious, but a, but a small man. Another from Palestine. Sinai. Bedouin tent. Blessing of shadows. At the hour when kindling is cut, the omniscient eye of the S-U-N, the ark that you float among the dunes, radiant hallucination, dromedary hide, wild opium, pour to pour the desert is yours and it sustains you, pillar to post, silent dust devil, stony copulation, sculpted before the dementia of the sea, crescent moon hashish, Fortified house for love and adventure, bramble most red, calico touchstone. I had mentioned his love of the, the beats, Kerouac, Ginsburg, Rex Roth, and he writes poems about all of them. This is called The Last Ballad of the Sun. This is written, this was written in Mexico. To be sung in the open grenade mouth of the metro. What sage in the darkness? It's a quote from Allen Ginsberg. 
What girl will accompany us on these early mornings, almost dead, under this wind, half animal, half statue, 70% stuffed macaw? What girl will accompany us? What revolver? What song? Will the shaken shell of her thighs be a tribal bonfire? The incense stick of her clitoris, a flower shop aroma of gladiolas? Will the ghost town of my mouth appear among the rocks of her genital maps? Amidst the kaleidoscope arousal of her pallid fires, will the high seas burn within her? Will the chromosomes of her sailing ships have wings? What girl will cure us in the sun now that blood is for us tachycardial ink of a bewitched octopus because the stone axe music of the who embossed on the udders of a green specter unavoidably draws near tambourine jangling a clear foretelling of swamp plowing adrenaline what sage in the darkness says Allen Ginsberg what stink of a fight what explosion in the emergency exits on the way to desolation pub on the way to the Oblivion's factory. Which among all the girls will be the one who will come near with her right nipple and a devil flower underlining her eyes? Will we find her skinning her eye sockets for us, demanding one more pour of acid and oranges in the middle of the Piazza de Navona, in the little Mexican quadrant of solitude? Will she greet us with a, let's leave it all alone yet again? Will she invite us on a non-stop safari to the interior of her nibbled sandwich? What health, what truth, what crab pincer, with what verse of Miss Adrienne Rich will we hear her inject us? Will she be an unmistakable daughter of Frank Zappa? And Nina Hagen? Will her lips bongo us, hymns, maledictions, epilepsies? Breaths that are only, that are let out only when the lung of a madman lowers her curtains? What girl will accompany us, lava underneath, toward the end of the end of the alley? So many references to American culture. That's another thing I enjoyed so much about this book is on your notes at the end where you fill in who all these people that he refers to are in either Mexican pop culture or world pop culture. And it, it kind of gives you a, a history of the world and his time. That was part of the enjoyment for me of reading it was this cultural history at the same time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was very much into American literature. St. John of the Cross gives Neil Cassidy a lift on the border between myth and dream. The highway bends toward the center of its own centrifugal fire. Tijuana vanishes, floating beneath the brains of the eye. Shards of cabaret and mattress push the wake of fairies that impregnates the illusion of this moment 
on the radio, Jim Morrison swallows spores sprouted on the scar of the deluge. This mental bridge takes flight, star-filled within and without. The jungle, a green speck of ganja, destiny rolling, all of being on stilts, spits UFOs embroidered with the wings of the craziest fireflies. It is nighttime and on the highway and flying. The doors make reality their voltage with their teeth. The body of the soul bathes itself in the trip. The center curves. The curve is wild. The highway is God himself. Each ganglion, each piece slips, is blurred. The foot braces itself. The mind weeds out euphoria from the echo. The sleepwalking assassin crossed the portals of the empty nightmare. It snowed on that stupefying night of April. The garbage strike went all the way up to his temples. The hero clutched his scarlet coat spattered with sperm. The arousal kissed his feet, his boots the smell of destiny foreseen in a stunning bright trips of a junkie. Arg! The Parisian lioness birthed one crap pellet. More of legend and of tedium, but thirst, the irresistible magnet of the desire for more flaming honey, pushed our Lord Jim Catacombs to pull out his whiskers to run in pursuit of the vagina of an angel who fled only from him. The Kiriko observed it as being the tower's eye bursting forth unruly. The sleepwalking assassin sat down on the flying bridge of the Passy Metro. The cold opened up his entrails, the sewer pipe that united the fall of one dream to the unstoppable torrent of another speed of hashish. That night, the commune was massacred for all time. The bordello rotted away with singular senselessness. The farthest away from the river, he voicelessly scribbled what remained of instinct. The assassin, naked, essayed pirouettes, dragging piece by piece the stained icicles of his coat flag. His razor was the sky that renounced being heaven. The snow, the victim, a rootless crucifixion populated the wagon suspended in memory of the rebellious clochard who that night assaulted the lost history of the Passy Metro, the crossed out P, the A, the double S, and the Y with blows of glass. The station was christened as Landru Metro. One blow of a widow's bottle, two prayers in Turkish. My palace is made of vertebrae, my river sane of urine. The world now without crosses and X's, the carrion in sainted peace. Whoa, it worked well. Do you have any comments on that poem? Its relation to Neil Cassidy. It it, it has a, a, a tenuous relationship to Neil Cassidy. I think what Mario Santiago is hearkening to is Cassidy's several forays in, 
into Mexico. And of course, uh, night in San Miguel de Allende, where it is said that uh, Neil Cassidy drank a great deal and then wandered off to the railroad tracks to count the number of ties on the track and collapsed and died. Oh. Yeah, Neil Cassidy died in, in, in Mexico. Oh. Mm-hmm. How about some of your own poems? Over the course of my poetic career, if you can call it that, uh, I've written a number of poems uh, dedicated to, to other poets. Jose Ernesto Montoya was one of them. Hoy enterraron al jefe, el comandante general, and the earth will enfold ese vato, a vate who sang in baritone vernacular bardic strophes of the lowly and despised, those who labored, thieved, loved, drank, smoked, spat profanities and worshipped beneath an indifferent sun. Hoy enterraron al jefe, and these streets and avenues de sacra that shade under dark wooden bones will no more feel his tread. Los callejones y las cantinas de oro will ever be haunted por un fantasma con disembodied, horn-ribbed, tinted lentes y stingy brim. Águila, que ahí va el espíritu de nuestro poeta en busca de, de suaves licores, amables pláticas y un tazón dominguero de tripitas y pata, homeopathic pancita for belly remedy for the hanging miseries of late Saturday revels. Dale paso al jefe, dale paso, for here he comes singing a derelict upright dog with his hunchback vihuela chiming in tenor accord with that unforgettable vozarrón que tenía when he was young, when he was young. Nothing but pity for you if you only saw the man of fourscore. Como gato en ligero on his athlete's legs he was. Era un galán con elán. He strode through the world confident but wary just the same. The stage was his world, and every stage was his the instant he took it. He was a Greek creature for panic, a companion of nymphs, a bucking, capricious, goateed fulano de tal. Quick era su salero. He punned like a chooked-out Gertrude Stein. Arroz es arroz es arroz. Too much folkloric or irony? Perhaps too much self-mockery, certainly. The weaponry of the assailed, of the put-upon, of those put on guard from the age of reason, but the mouthed beauty of the phrase, the words so liquid as to not be damned upon the page, the words that were meant to be heard, palabras líricas that were as nothing without that voice. It did not matter what he said, but what he said mattered with a switching of codes, with a lightning of the syntactical synapses between Castellano, Ingles, y Caló, the three-cornered wit of our fathers, the incomparable beauty of the plenty of our language, the mercury of our words. Hoy enterraron al jefe. Hoy enterraron al jefe.
Tremendous. Well, thank you. <laughs> Tremendous. I mean, Elui is the the touchstone, the base, the core of Chicano poetry. That was the very first poem, a code switching poem that was ever published. Code switching. Explain that. Going from English to Spanish and then Spanish to English, oftentimes in the same sentence. And there's code there because certain words are cultural codes because they're not just a translation of the Spanish because, as you mentioned, it involves caló. It involves the Chicano language. The, the, that is true. There's many, there's many layers to that idea of codes. But code switching is a term that's used by academics. It's, it's, a, it's a linguistic term. And the reason they say code is because languages, all languages are codes. And you have to be privy to the code in order to communicate. So it's a switching of codes, a switching of languages. And it's interesting that you brought up Montoya because this comes back to your book. His nephew? His nephew. Maceo Montoya mm -hmm. did these fantastic illustrations. Yeah, Maceo Montoya, the son of Malaquias Montoya, brother of Jose Montoya, a great painter in his own right. And Maceo is following in his uncle's and his father's footsteps. And he is also a tremendous novelist. Yes. How could people get this book? They can get it directly from the publisher which is Lavender Ink Dialogos, and they can be found online, or they can order it from directly from small press distribution in Berkeley, or they can walk into a bookstore and ask for it. So that's Poetry Comes Out of My Mouth by Mario Santiago. Poetry Comes Out of My Mouth by Mario Santiago. And how could people find your poetry? Oh, they can't. I'm not published yet. What? Any publisher out there, I would like. <laughs> Maybe we can talk. <laughs> what do you mean you're not published? I'm not. I've never... I, I, I've been published in anthologies. I've been published in reviews. I've never had a book of poetry published. Well, you had... I'm working on that. You had one book with your friend. Where those the were two of you... Those were stories. Oh, that's right. Those, those were, those were yeah. wonderful. I love those. Yeah, yeah. And, and. Published. Well, you had. I'm working on that. You had one book with your friend. Where those the were two of you. Those were stories. Oh, that's right. Those, those were, were stories. Those were yeah. wonderful. I love those. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, um, Charlie, Charlie Mariano was, is, is the name of my friend. He really was doing me a favor. You know, he, he said that, uh, you know, he, he was thinking of a book, but he didn't have enough, quite enough stuff to, to fill it. So could, could I help him? And, and we came up with a, the idea of, um, putting a book out that, um, was reversible. One, one side was his poetry and the other side was mine. Yes. He turned the book topsy turvy and it becomes right. another book. And that's also the, uh, Alejandro Murguia has Alejandro Murguia, like and he did that book with Jose Montoya. Well, I think this is uh, something you have to remedy at once. There has to be a book of your poetry. So, Arturo Mantecon, thank you so much for sharing your poetry, sharing your translations, and sharing your insights and broad knowledge of poetry and Chicano poetry and Latin American poetry. 
And I hope very soon that you'll come back to read us your own poetry from your first anthology of poems. I, I hope so, too. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ina. Oh, un placer. Thank you for having me, giving me this placer. opportunity. Check out my website, ninaserrano.com, to hear other programs, poems, and a listing of my upcoming events. Thanks for listening. Only a few years back, Thomas Frank wrote the New York Times bestseller, What's the Matter with Kansas? Now he asks a similarly damning question about the entire nation. In his new book of scathing commentaries, Rendezvous with Oblivion, he portrays the society, guess which, in the last stages of disintegration, where the obscenely wealthy have persuaded themselves they owe nothing to the rest of us. Major media praises them. KPFA doesn't. Instead, we present Thomas Frank himself, Wednesday evening, July 11th, 7.30 p.m., at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. There's wheelchair access and some free parking at this KPFA benefit. Chris Welch will host. Tickets at brownpapertickets.com and our favorite bookstores. Full info on the KPFA website for the superbly satiric muckraker Thomas Frank, here July 11. You're listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 